The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hello, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest really needs no introduction at all. Uh, he's the author and creator of many marketing books and products. His name is Perry Marshall. Go to sell8020.com to find out more. Perry, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for reaching out and getting hold of us and scheduling this. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that you are, you are trying to scout out the best marketing that you can find and you know hopefully we won't disappoint you today appreciate it perry how did you get into marketing um well you know i was uh i I was recruited into the world of multi-level marketing uh when i was in college and it happened because i had suddenly gotten fired from three jobs in a row um and at so, like, you know, one, I, I played this prank and, and somebody didn't think it was very funny and, and I got fired and, you know, I had to, I had to call my father-in-law because I'd just been married for a year and like, hey, Ron, you wouldn't believe what just happened. <laughs> oh, you know, and, um, and, you know, I was like really ashamed of myself and then I took this other job and that didn't work out and I took it, th- and I was just, really like feeling like a total misfit and i can honestly say up to that point i had defined success equals never flunking a class and never getting fired from a job and actually the the whole thing of like getting fired from my job and looking for new jobs it really messed up my summer school class I was taking. You know, summer school goes really fast. And if you get like a week behind, you are, you are toast, right? And, um, and I fell behind on that class and I had to drop out of the class and retake it again, which for all practical purposes, like I was failing that too. So like, I mean, I was really feeling like crap. Um, and, and so, you know, so then my friend recruits me into Amway. Now, like I've talked about that in other places and I'm not going to go on about it. it uh, I, I don't recommend that people go become Amway distributors by any means, but um, like that was my crash course in, Hey, you know, welcome to the world of living by your wits and, you know, uh, getting paid for what you produce and not having a security blanket and all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it was a rude awakening. I mean, it was, you know, cause well, you know what you have to do in a business like that. It's really ugly. Um, and, but, but, you know, I, I learned how to do it and I never made very much money at it. In fact, I spent a lot more money than I ever made, but, um, like I, once I kind of had the taste of freedom, or even if freedom was just having the ability to get rewarded for what you do instead of working for the man, like I could never, 
you know, be ha- permanently happy, um, you know, just punching the clock. Yeah. And then, well, a few years later, I got fired again. Actually, I just got laid off. Um, but my wife was three months pregnant and I had been working in an engineering job and I couldn't find an engineering job. So I went into sales and that was, that was the introduction to real sales and marketing. And, um, well, you know, that was, um, that was two years of bologna sandwiches and ramen soup. Uh, I mean, it seriously, it was a major struggle. Um, we spiraled it into debt. Um, you know, I got this, you know, base plus commission sales job and rarely did my commission go high enough to where I was actually, you know, getting an extra commission check. So, you know, and we didn't really make enough money for us to live on, on just the base. And my wife is, home from, you know, she's quit her job to be a full-time mom, which I absolutely wanted her to do. I didn't want to do the daycare thing. And it was just like gut-wrenching. You know, it was, it was a, it's a hard phase of life. And I think, frankly, a lot of people that are like late twenties, early thirties, like that's the world they live in. Yeah. You know, you're driving a 15 year old car that burns oil (laughs) And, uh, you know, and you, 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 your wife hasn't had any new clothes in like three years and, um, you know, and, and you got the baby and the diapers and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, so I worked at this job for two years and, you know, the job just wasn't exactly the right fit. Uh, there were a lot of things about it that were pretty good actually, but, like I couldn't sell anything to save my life. And like, what is wrong with me? Like, what, why can't I do this? You know? Um, and there was just so much stuff I didn't know. And the other thing I learned is just because people are good at stuff doesn't mean they know how to teach you. My bosses at this company, they were really smart and they made a lot of money and they were very good at sales but some combination of I didn't know what questions to ask. Um, I, w- I wasn't like, I don't know, maybe I wasn't trying hard enough to ask him the questions. Uh, and them like not really be like, we don't know how to fix Perry. Like, I don't know, boy, he tries really hard and we like him. And, you know, he's really earnest and, you know, there's no lack of work ethic. But like, why can't he sell anything? <laughs> and that's how I got into sales and marketing. So at some point along the way, Perry, you did get good at this. You now teach this to other people. You consult, you have products, you've written books on the subject, and uh, that's where you are today. Yeah, yeah. And and so here's here's what happened that turned things around. So, I mean, things were getting really desperate, and I was actually getting close to being fired. And I wander into this uh, seminar at a big coliseum, and one of the speakers was Dan Kennedy. And I remember seeing the description of his presentation and thinking, now that looks pretty interesting because it was about cold calling or not like not having to cold call. It was about uh, accountable response advertising and stuff like that. And so he definitely had my attention. And then he goes into this talk and he explains this whole thing about marketing and like he says, you know, 
cold calling is the lowest form of grunt work invented by human beings. Like, <laughs> you should never do this unless you just absolutely have nothing else to do. But, like, there's 98% of the time there's other things you can do. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, 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 I had a credit card that wasn't completely maxed out, and I bought his thing. And, uh, and I went home, I told my boss about it the next day and he looks at me like I'm from Mars, like, dude, get to work, you know, uh, somebody just sold you swampland in Florida. You know, that was kind of the reaction. Well, I got fired from that job, but you know, meanwhile, like I'm, I'm in turmoil. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I going to do? I am losing money. I am not making enough. Uh, the credit cards are going to completely max out pretty soon. And then I'm going to really be in trouble and I have to find a job. How am I going to find a job when the last two years of my sales job is really like, I kind of have to do smoke and mirrors to make it look like I ever like managed to accomplish anything. Oh, it's just awful. So I take, I take home, you know, this, this like, notebook of tapes and you know it's like this badly photocopied thing in fact the 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 product that dan sold looked so terrible i kind of wondered if it was a scam (laughs) and but you know but i finally decided it wasn't and um and i'm studying this and i started to reorient my thinking okay Mm -hmm. and one of the things was so direct marketing is selling in print. That's one, that's one definition. Okay. Um, that's what copywriting is. And I started studying like, you know, here's how you put together a sales letter. Here's how you put together a sales pitch. You need the right audience, right? You need a headline. You need an opening paragraph. You need to like, really agitate their itch so that they're conscious of the pain that your product solves. You need to have an offer. You need to make a guarantee. You need to justify the price. And there was all this stuff I hadn't been doing. I had been going around selling this equipment, showing people interesting stuff. And like, I was almost doing it right, but not quite. And all of a sudden I can like see a sales pitch on a piece of paper and it's kind of a, like this linear logical process. And all of a sudden I started to understand it. And I also started learning about mailing lists and all this kind of stuff. And I began, I just began to finally understand who buys, what makes them buy, what do you try to sell them and, and why do they buy? And, um, and I also, so there's another thing though that I also, this was a really big deal. Is I, especially like with the Amway stuff, I had been trying to be somebody I was not. I mean, have you, okay, have you, have you ever spent years of your life trying to be somebody you're not? Yeah, I think everyone has at some point. (laughs) Right? Like, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. I want to be one of them, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but you're like jamming a square peg in a round hole and, and, um, and, I was, I was trying to, I, I was, I was trying to, like, be a classic sales guy, um, because it's the only thing I could see that I thought seemed to make sense. And then, and I started to understand, you know, 
you can use your writing skills, you can use your engineering degree, you can put all this stuff together in a way that for the right people, it's actually a perfect fit. And, and, and I guess here's, here's the point I'm driving at, is that we all go through life and we go around and we try all this different stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be an accountant, I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And we try on all these things, and most of the time they don't quite fit. And maybe what a lot of people do is they finally they, they get something that fits about 75%, and then they just put up with it for the rest of their life. And what, what I am suggesting that you can do is that you can design a world that perfectly fits you, or at least fits you about 93% or 98%, so that you're mostly doing things you love to do, things you're good at, things people appreciate you for. You're delivering the highest value to people you enjoy working with, and you can feel good about it, and you can be proud of it. Um, I remember one time um, we went to this meeting, and I was with my boss at the sales company, and I introduced, hi, hi I'm Perry, I'm an electrical engineer. And he goes... <laughs> Perry is a sales guy. Um, he's not an electrical engineer. Sometimes he just forgets who he is. Oh, thank you very much. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Well, you know, okay, I was trying, when I said that, I was trying to be useful to somebody by, because I knew something and not just because I was a sales guy who knew how to knock on doors. You know that feeling? Yeah. I might as well be selling vacuum cleaners. So, like, no, I want to like, I want to solve a problem. I, I remember having a conversation with my boss, like, you know, Perry, could you stop trying to solve problems and just sell something? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? If 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 you can put things together right, you will put you will solve problems and you'll sell something, and you get paid really good money to do it. So. You know, and I, I did figure that, and, and my whole introduction to marketing, and understanding what marketing really is, I think marketing really is, it's the art and science of helping people who need each other find each other. That's what I think marketing really is. And, um, and so, you know, I did start to figure that out, and little by little by little, I started creating a world that worked for me. And, and, and you can do that. And the people listening today can do that. And I, you know, I hope I can give some people hope, you know, cause if you're like, if you're that, if you're just like I was and it's like, how long is it before the credit cards max out? You know, it's terrifying. It's, it's absolutely terrifying, but you know, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not necessarily a trait. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some of these things, Perry, that uh, ideal life that you just described. It sounds amazing. I'm sure that everyone listening to this uh, would love to get there themselves. And like you said, if we know how to do marketing, if we know how to grow a business, that is a vehicle that can help us to get there. So let's talk about some of the concepts in your books that you've written that can help us to do that. Last year, you released a book called 8020 Sales and Marketing. What's the big idea behind that book? Well, you know, that is really the book that I wish I had 20 years ago. And that book would have saved me like five or ten years. And so, you know, so to try to, to give you an idea, um, I thought I understood 80-20. Um, I, most people think they understand 80-20. I remember like 15 years ago, 
in a later sales job that was working pretty well. I heard about 80-20, so I'll, like, I printed out this report, and I got it in my calculator. I'm like, wow, sure enough, that's a, that's that, that's pretty crazy. Like 20% of our customers is about 80% of, my mo- of our money. And it was great. It was like, well, okay, so... Um, yeah, that's good. And you know, you should all, you should work hard and you should pay your taxes and you should brush your teeth and great. Like, I, like, I didn't see anything else really beyond that. Well, the, the, the real epiphany didn't come until later. I read Richard Koch's classic book, The 8020 Principle. And, and all of a sudden, a, a comment that he made made it snap in place. And I realized that 80-20 is everywhere. I mean, it is everywhere, and it is a repeating micro-macro pattern. So, so here's what I mean by that. Um, so if you hire 10 salespeople, you're going to find out is 80% of your sales come from two of them mm-hmm. and the other 20% of your sales come from the eight, which means that the two man for man are 16 times better at selling than the eight. Now, first of all, there's nothing you can do to quote unquote fix this. Like what, what an academically minded person wants to do is figure out how to make them all equal. They'll never do it. Okay, there is nothing wrong. The universe is working exactly the way it's supposed to work. The two are supposed to be selling for you, and the other eight aren't. <laughs> okay. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the truth. Like, let the universe tell you what it wants to tell you, and that's what it's telling you. But let's, let's carry it forward. Well, let's say, let's say that you hire a thousand people. Well, you know, 800 of them aren't going to be very good and 200 of them are. Well, if you, if you just look at the 200, if you fire the bottom 800 and you just look at the 200 you got left and they're all pretty good, 80, 20 is still true. 40 will outsell the 200 by a wide margin. And then if we, if we, if we fire the bottom 160 and we've only got the 40 left, 80-20 will still be true, and the top eight will sell more than the bottom 32 combined. And when we look at our eight, you know, the top one or two will outsell the bottom six or seven. And it just keeps going and going, okay? Mm-hmm. So what, the, what does this mean? This means you can get an extreme level of productivity from one person mm-hmm. or 10 people extreme what do you do you take the resources away from the stuff that's not working and you pour more in so what do you do you take you take like your top five if you got a thousand sales people or you got 200 sales people you take your top five they all get a personal assistant they all get a masseuse they all get somebody to do their travel schedule you know, they'll look, they'll drive them, give them a chauffeur if you have to. I don't really care. Like, just get them to the appointment. Well, this, this whole, so this repeating like 80 20, there's an 80 20 inside every 80 20, and there's another one, and there's another one, and it keeps repeating until you're down to one person. 
Okay, that's there, there's a name for that. It's called fractal. Eighty twenty is fractal. So it's true, like it's true of seven billion people in the world. It's also true of the ten richest people in the world. Okay, now when I recognize this, now I, I am a little geeky and I am an engineer, but when when I saw this, is like, oh my goodness, this is the mathematics of attraction. Okay, this is like. Work and uh, work and results are unequal. This is the math that tells you how unequal they are. If you can see it, if you can figure out like where those little leverage points are, then like you don't have to bust your ass anymore. You could actually be sort of lazy, and in fact, you should be, and you should start saying no to things. So, so like, so let me let me let me, let me tell you a story. Um, my friend John Paul Mendoza, um. Is he, he, he's on my sales team and he helps us with a lot of stuff. He, when he was 17 years old, he dropped out of high school, hitchhiked to Las Vegas and became a professional gambler. Okay. So imagine a 17 year old kid living by his wits in Vegas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Play, playing poker for a living. Well, John. Like within a few weeks, he's like, dang, you know, maybe I need a mentor. And he, he finds somebody. He finds this guy that runs a little gambling ring. And his name was, and they talk for a while. And Rob's like, okay, so for a percentage of your winnings, I'll take you under my wing and I'll teach you what I know. Okay. So they shake on it. Jump up in the Jeep, John. We're going for a ride. So they're going for a ride. John goes, All right, Rob, so how do I win more poker games? And Rob goes, you have to play games you can win. Okay, you have to play people that are dumber than you, and those people are called marks. And and John goes, he goes, you, he says you always play with marks. You don't play with like other professional gamblers. And John goes, okay, so how do I find the marks? And he goes, here, I'll show you. And he pulls into a parking lot, and they walk into a strip. Okay, mm-hmm. and like there's girls dancing and there's rock and roll and there's people drinking and everything. And Rob sits down, they sit down at a table and Rob pulls a sawed off shotgun out of his jacket and he puts it under the table and he opens the chamber and then he racks it. So it goes. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And like there's a few people look around like, what was that? And the owner comes over and he goes, hey. Everything okay over here? Everything's just fine. It's teaching a lot of lesson. Don't worry. Um, and then, and then Rob says to John, John, did you see the people that turned around when I made that noise? And he goes, Yeah. And he goes, Those people are not marks. <laughs> Do not play poker with them. Okay, you play play with everybody else. Now, in in, in my little world, we call it Planet Perry. Uh, we have this term: rack the shotgun. Racking the shotgun is when you make a noise or you do something, and like there's 50 people in the club, and 10 turn their heads, and 40 don't. You just did 80/20. Okay. Now, every time. You send an email. You're racking the shotgun. How many people opened it? How many people didn't? Rack the shotgun. How many people clicked on the link? How many people didn't? Rack the shotgun. How many people went to the web page and did, did what you asked them to do? And how many did? Rack the shotgun. 
How many gave you money? How many didn't? Rack the shotgun. Eliminate, 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 eliminate. Sales is an elimination process. It is a disqualification process. It is not a condensed people process. It's not a go talk to anybody who can fog a mirror and try to solve something. Now, that's what I learned in Amway. They literally told you, if they can fog a mirror, you should show them the plan. You know, that is the worst advice. <laughs> that is, you know what that is designed to do? That is how you sell people tapes and books. Anybody who can fog a mirror can buy a tape or a book. Not any, you know, they tell you anybody who can fog a mirror can do Amway. I promise you that's not true. There's like a thousand people that can do it. And most of them, they can't do it to save their life. Why can't they? I don't even want to get into it. But, you know, it's like, it's not what they tell you. Advice. So John, John actually came up with, uh, with a list and he calls it the five power disqualifiers. And here's what they are. Do they have the money? If the person doesn't have the money, stop trying to stuff stuff. Because they ain't going to buy. End of, end of story. Okay? Mm -hmm. Every time a sale has ever been made in the history of the earth, the person had the money. Number two, do they have a bleeding neck? In other words, do they have an itch that they got a scratch? I got a scratch with this itch. If they don't, if they don't have a bleeding neck, they're not giving you the money. Every time a sale's been made in the history of the world, somebody at some level, they had a bleeding neck. Number three, do they buy into your unique selling proposition? Do they like your USP? What do you sell? What's your value proposition? Always true. Every time something, something says something, sell something. Number four, do they have the ability to say, Yes. Now, this is another one that was killing me when I was a new sales guy. I would go present to all these people. They had the ability to say no. They did not have the ability to say yes. Complete waste of time. Okay? And what they tell you is I'm going to think it over, and you're sitting around, and you're counting your think-it-overs, and somebody needs to come and bop you on the head and say, dude, your think-it-overs are never going to materialize. They're gone. Forget them. Goodbye, good riddance, you know, go, go do something that actually works, right? And then the last one is, it fits their overall plans. Like, what they're doing in their life, does it fit, does it not? Yeah. If you approach sales like, I'm going to not even try to advertise to people unless they fit these criteria, and I'm certainly not going to go see them, I'm not going to call them on the phone, I'm not going to spend time with them, until I've disqualified the 90% or the 98% that I should never be talking to in the first place and only dealing with the right people, that's who I'm going to sell to, okay? Yeah. Well, what you'll find is that you can probably you can probably spend 10 hours a week selling and making make a perfectly good living if you do all that. And and so so that's... So that's in the 80-20 book. And, um, you know, 80-20 really was, when I started seeing how this is everywhere, it was like everything you do in marketing is because of 80-20. The way you write a headline is because of 80-20. Where you put the headline is because of 
you know, buying Google ads and what you do with Google ads and what's in a Google ad and what it says and, and what happens next, it's all because 80-20. You know, 5% of your web pages make 95% of your money. 5% makes 95%. So you know what? You don't have to go fix your whole website on all 10,000 pages. Okay, you can, you can fix percent of your problems by fixing 5% of your web pages, which might be one page, or might be two or five, or ten, and, like, it's all fixed. So, oh, people just waste so much time. So I've been talking a lot. Maybe that, back to you. I'm actually thinking of all the ways that it's everywhere as well, Perry. I mean, I'm thinking uh, 20% of all the people competing in any given marketplace are getting all the money and all the rest of the people are fighting over the crumbs. 20% of your customers are giving you their money and are funding you and you're getting 80% of your profits from them. Whereas the other 80% of customers are probably uh, not worth as much to you. I mean, it's just fascinating to see how this is everywhere. So your advice would be to just eliminate the dross and narrow in on the good stuff. Well, yes. And first you have to be aware of it. You know, we, we are especially, the more educated people are, the more they likely they are to treat everything and everybody the same. And it is a huge mistake to do that because everything is not the same. So 80% of your products, uh, only generate 20% of your sales. Um, and probably your product development team is spending all this time and money essentially polishing turds. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Right where where they should focus on the twenty percent. A lot of companies can make a lot more money just by dropping the bottom twenty percent of their product lines that waste eighty percent of the resources that that doesn't actually make money. Okay, and eighty twenty applies to just about every number that you ever measure in any business. I mean, it's just scary. I, I've I've got a. I've got a, a an appendix in the 80-20 book, and it's for the numbers people in the crowd, and it shows it it graphs out 80-20, and it shows you well, you know, whether you're looking at um at at the population of of cities in America, or the donations to a church on a Sunday morning, or the revenues of all the companies in the Fortune 500 or the output of dairy farms in Wisconsin. Like, it's all 80-20. And, like, once you see this, you can't unsee it. And so, like, what I, what I consider a success is when people read this book and they're like, oh, my word, I never saw this before, and now I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm like, okay, you are the person I was trying to target when I wrote this book because you get it. And And, and people are like, oh, my goodness, like, uh, you know, I just, um, you know, I just like apply 8020 in my Google AdWords uh, campaigns. And it's like, I, I, I fixed these three ads and my click through rate went up 60%. Like, oh my word, like, I, I, I tell myself in order to do all this work. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, my, uh, Ari Galper, who's uh, some people might know who he is, he just sent me an email this morning. He said, Harry, you're not going to believe this. Well, actually, well, I've been ruthlessly applying 80-20 in the last six weeks, and I just ran my star principal core. It moved from 
a score of 115, and now it's 155. I can explain that later if you want me to. And for the first time ever, we generated $100,000 paid in full in one week last week. This has raised my consciousness to realize I could be generating $400,000 a month with more 80-20. So keep drilling this into our heads. And, yeah, like, it, and it never stops. It, it just keeps going and going and going. So it's kind of like this well that never runs dry. You also teach how to apply this 80-20 concept to how we spend our time and the things that we actually do within our own business. I've heard you call this our $1,000 an hour work, where instead of chasing our tails all the time and running around doing all of the $10 an hour jobs, we should be focusing on just the $1,000 an hour jobs. So how do we identify what our $1,000 an hour work is? Okay, so 80-20 is a law of nature. So it's 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 everywhere. So now some people sort of doubt me about this at first, and and so that's okay. But I, just follow me along. Okay, so let's say that you've got um, you know a, a receptionist or secretary, and you know let's say they make fifteen dollars an hour or pounds or you know whatever currency you want. And um, it, and what I insist is that even a person who makes $15 an hour actually makes $1,000 an hour at least one minute of every day. You go, well, how's that? How, do, how does a receptionist make $1,000 an hour? So let's say that the phone rings and she picks it up and somebody is really angry and the person that the angry person wants to talk to is on the phone and they can't talk. And the customer is, is tempted to slam down the phone and like just, you know, leave in a huff and never do business with you again. Now let's say that she listens patiently and carefully to the customer instead of doing their nails, instead of updating her Pinterest, or instead of doing, you know, making photocopies or whatever else she might have been doing, let's say she does a really good job with an angry customer and she calms them down. And then let's say that she makes sure, because she double checks, that the other guy calls the guy back within an hour. Now, let's say that took five minutes. And let's say she saves a $10,000 account. Is that $1,000 an hour for five minutes? I mean, 1000 times five minutes, that's only 80 bucks. Like, she, you know what I'm saying? Or, uh, no, I don't know. It's like 500. If she makes 500 bucks and, um, I don't know. I can't do the math in my head. But you, 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 need, you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, and, and every, see, every day there are these short little bursts of very high leverage activity where, you know, if, I don't care what you do. There's 15 minutes of, uh, of your day or maybe 30 minutes of your day that is more valuable than all the other eight hours put together. But you don't know it until somebody points this out. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what about those of us who, like, aren't receptionists, but we're actually founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, professional salespeople? You know, if you're professional salespeople, half of your income came from, less than five days of what you did last year. 
And when, when they tell this to salespeople, they'll think about it and they'll go, yeah, that's actually about right. Like, okay, so why aren't you doing more of that? Yeah, very true. So what's the answer to that? Why do people find it difficult not to do that, to let go of the smaller stuff, the less valuable stuff? Well, so I think I think we are all conditioned for various reasons to just be busy. Okay? I, I think I think a lot of us are actually kind of uncomfortable in our skin. We don't really know what we want to do. We've never given ourselves permission to do what we want to do. And it's actually own, the only people that are really doing what they want to do in life are the eccentric ones. Like, look, if you, if you go find a person and they went to Oxford and they got the right degree and they got all the right credentials and they climbed the corporate ladder and they did everything they're supposed to do, if you just ask most of those people, like, are you doing, like, what you really dream of doing today? They look at you like you're from Mars. Like, well, I, I didn't want to be a legal secretary. I mean, I really wanted to, like, be a ballerina, but who could do that? So I'm doing this. And then they just kind of resign themselves, and then they just start sleepwalking through life. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you have an awareness, like, you know what? Look, if you do... A thousand dollars an hour work for two hours a day, then you don't have to do anything else all day. And it is possible to do this. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like Richard Cost, the guy who wrote the original book, he's worth a quarter of a billion dollars mm-hmm. and he works an hour a day. Okay? Wow. And I would contend that if he worked more, he would actually make less. <laughs> okay. He, he is very disciplined about being lazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and like his books are great. Yeah. There, there's a chapter. I think it's on page 119 of my book. I lay out. So like, here's examples of $10 an hour work. And it's like running errands and changing light bulbs and making photocopies. You know, then there's like $100 an hour work. And that's stuff like, you know, uh, solving customers problems and, you know, things like that. And then there's $1,000 an hour work, which is, you know, doing something really strategic, you know, negotiating a contract or, or like rescuing uh, an angry customer and flipping them around so they're not angry at you. So get, that is, that is $1,000. And you have to become, you have to become aware of it first. Mm-hmm. And most people are just, they're not self-aware. So, you know, if I can create more self-awareness, and help some people not suffer the way I had to suffer, then I, I guess that was a good book to write. Absolutely. So the $10 an hour work, that does still need to get done. Are we hiring people for that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it has to get done. Then not all of it does. I mean, a lot of us like do stuff that we really shouldn't be doing. But <laughs> yeah, you know, so, but the thing is, there's always somebody available to do it. Like, like, look. What's the unemployment rate? Right? And not only that, there's people that like to do that. They like it. Like, I would never like to be an accountant, but my accountant likes being an accountant. You've also written a few other books. Two of them are The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, and another one is The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. How does the 80-20 principle apply in this arena? Well, well, first off, you know, my sales 
My wife is a salesperson completely turned around when I started having lead generation bringing me customers so that I didn't have to go pick up the phone and chase people around. Mm-hmm. Okay. The customers started having me and that was such a relief. It was so much better. I mean, I can't even tell you. Okay. Now, um, you have, well, if you're going to generate leads, you have to get traffic. And where are you going to get traffic? Well, you know, when Google started selling ads, it was like the greatest invention uh, for marketers in, in the last 50 years. Like, I kid you not, just amazing. Um, and now, like, you can bid on a keyword and have your ad in front of people. And so, you know, that's been around a long time. It, it, it was new when I first discovered A20, and I was experimenting with Google, and I was doing all this stuff. And one day I realized, oh, my word, everything in Google AdWords is AD20. Okay, which keywords get the traffic? How do you organize the campaigns? Which ads win? Which ads lose? Um, you know, the, the kind of changes that you, it's all 80-20. And so really what I did uh, to become the world's best-selling author on the subject of Google advertising was I applied 80-20 ruthlessly. And in my books, that's really what I'm teaching you whether you recognize it or not. Now, in some of the chapters, I actually try to explain it, but, like, pretty much everything is 80-20, and the same things with Facebook. So 5% of the keywords generate 95% of the traffic. In Facebook, you know, 80% of the traffic you could buy is a complete waste, maybe 90%, and it's all about focusing, targeting, where are the leverage points, where are the customers actually buy stuff. You know, and, and in the last few years, uh, maybe in the uh, in the last year in particular, in the last year, Facebook has gone from being a dog to being the hottest thing on the internet for marketers because Facebook ads really do work. Something else from your eighty twenty sales and marketing book, you have a concept called the Power Triangle. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So. Um, my marketing manager, Jack Bourne, came up with that. I think it's just like one of the most brilliant things. And it's all triangle. And it, 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 it looks like this. Uh, on the lower left, T is for traffic. Mm-hmm. On the top corner, um, C is for conversion. And on the lower right corner, E is for economics. And then there's a triangle inside the triangle, which makes a triangle in the middle. And the middle triangle is 80-20. And the power triangle is everything you need to know about marketing. Traffic, conversion, economics, and 80-20. Okay, so if you are not selling enough, you either don't have enough traffic, you're not converting the traffic you have, or you are getting the traffic, you're getting the conversions, but the economics of what you're selling are not right. Like you're not selling it for enough money or it's not perceived as being worth enough or whatever, any problem you have is one of those three things. And 80-20 applies to all of them. Okay, so there's a bunch of 80-20s of where the good traffic is and where you're going to waste your money. There's a bunch of 80-20s about here's the few things that make a person buy and here's all the other things, the many things that would screw it up. 
Um, you know, there's the economics and which products you sell and how much money you get from them. So if you know, if, if, if you recognize in any situation, is it traffic? Is it conversion? Is it economics? And where are the 80 20s of all three of those things? You can solve almost any problem. And my final question, Perry, is how can we locate invisible profit centers within our business? Again, this is something that you taught in 80 20 sales and marketing. So there is always a top 20% that's not being fully exploited for what it's worth Mm -hmm. because like, so, so you, you could, you could take your top 20% of your customers, you know, let's say, let's say your hundred best customers gave you $10,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a million bucks. Well, 80-20 says that 20% of them will spend four times the money. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that means, that means 20 of them will spend 40,000 bucks. But it also says 20% of them will spend four times the money. So four of them will spend 160,000 bucks, which means that one of them would spend a half a million. So if you were only getting a million, you should have got, been getting two or three million. And it's just, it, there is you know, almost every customer uh, list I've ever seen, there is unexploited appetite for more on the part of a minority of those customers. Most businesses drastically underestimate how much money they could actually get from a group of people. And, and it's usually on the high end. Now, sometimes it's on the low end. You can, it could go both directions, but usually it's so, um, but until you like just at least get out uh, a piece of paper and a pencil and kind of start sketching it out and going, Oh, okay. You ever wear blue blocker sunglasses that are, makes everything kind of blue and all of a sudden you notice things that you never noticed just regular? Yeah. That's what 8020 like. It's like if you completely understand 8020 and you kind of immerse yourself in it for a while, all of a sudden you'll see it everywhere. You'll drive your wife or your spouse crazy because you'll be talking about it all the time. It'll be like your <laughs> new obsession and like, oh my goodness, I just saw the 8020 of the freeway traffic. And she's like, oh please. Yeah, I know. I know. 80% of the traffic drives on 20% of the roads and that expressway is like a, a top 20 per, I know. So, so they need to know you're, you're on the right track. Perry, if we've listened to this and we've really enjoyed it and we're really serious about applying 8020 to our business and getting the results and the lifestyle that that can give us, where can we go? So you, you can, you can go to Amazon and you can buy the book. Um, for, uh, uh, well, I don't know how much is it in the UK, but, uh, there, there's, there's a better deal that we have and you can go to sell8020.com and you can buy the book for a penny plus shipping. Okay. You can, you can get in the U S that's, uh, it'll, it'll cost you seven bucks then, or in the UK, uh, or elsewhere in the world, it'll cost you 14. But it, here's why we do that. Here's why we sell the book direct. And by the way, we, we are taping dollar bills to every book to do this. Um, but, but the reason why is I have found that people who actually read books are very good customers. 
they're, they're, they're good coaching students. They're good clients. So I'm acquiring clients. Um, and if you go there, what you're going to find is an 80, 20 sales funnel, which if you're, if you want to understand marketing, you should study what we do because we rack the shotgun. We treat people who respond differently than we treat people who don't. Okay. Um, it, it, you'll, you'll see a lot of things. And so you, you can, you can learn as much by watching what I do is from listening to what I say or reading the books and stuff like that. And I think if you do both, like you'll, it, it'll really sink. So I want to encourage you to do that. Again, it's sell8020.com or you can go to perrymarshall.com and you'll see the offer right there on the page. And I would just encourage you, you know, if, if this sounded intriguing, then go down the rabbit hole and see how deep it really goes. Excellent. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please go and leave a review on iTunes. And I also highly recommend going and getting your Penny Plus shipping copy of Perry's book. It's an incredible book. And last of all, a huge thank you to you, Perry, for coming on the show. Well, thank you. And you asked great questions and I, I really appreciate you, uh, you spending the time and, you know, blessings to everybody that listened today. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.